This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, looking for the pylon, touchdown, Jonathan Taylor, a run of 23 yards to Pater. They'll walk it upfield, it's intercepted, picked off by the Colts, and it's Darius Leonard. Wentz throws upfield into the end zone, sack, Pascal, touchdown, touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Now, here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Colts Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined by former Colts wide receiver Bill Brooks to talk about the Colts' 34-31 overtime loss to the Tennessee Titans in Week 8. Bill, just from a, a former player's perspective, when you've played in games like this where you know how much is at stake, but you're trying to view it narrowly and then... A loss like this happens what what's the the response that you you feel like is coming out of the Colts locker room or you feel like the Colts might be having in this game well I think initially what happens is you, it's a gut punch especially with a game like this and knowing that you had a lead you jumped on it early uh, up 14 nothing and then you know game goes back and forth the rest of the game and you make a nice little run there at the end to get the game into overtime and then um, you end up coming up short. It, it's, it's a gut punch. It hurts a lot. Um, but knowing that this is midway, roughly the midway through the season, and you have more games to play, it's hard. But you have to try to put it behind you, learn from mistakes, and um, get ready. The, the only saving grace, I would say, they have a game on Thursday. Yep. So it's a quick turnaround. Uh, you don't have a whole week to think about uh, this game here. you got to get ready. And uh, for your next game, which is on Thursday night. So what I want to do for our listeners here, Bill, is view this game through the lens of five pivot points in it, which I, I kind of circled as I went back through it. Five plays that I, I feel like really defined how this game went. And let's get into how they happened, why they happened, what they meant. So the first one, Colts have 14 to nothing lead. In the first quarter, they are clicking on all cylinders and they get down to the Tennessee Titans 40 yard line. On third and three, Carson Wentz hit, he tried to fire a deep shot to T.Y. Hilton in the end zone. He overthrew him by a little bit. Pass falls incomplete. Fourth and three, that was when Wentz, he, he just didn't connect with Michael Pittman Jr. on that play. The Colts turn it over on downs. The Titans go down and score their first touchdown of the game right after that. Frank Reich was asked about this after the game, and he he expressed confidence in the decision to go for it in that spot, which, frankly, I agree with Bill. When you're in that spot at the 40-yard line, you've got the Titans on the ropes. You're moving the football. If you convert that fourth down, you go down and add more points. All of a sudden, it becomes a three-score game in the first quarter. Uh, And, you know, Frank Reich said after the game, he understands that it doesn't maybe seem like a good move now, But also, he said, quote, everything about that was a strong go. Felt good about it. Here's where I want to get into, Bill. If anything, Reich said, I just give them credit for how they played it. I give them, I didn't like the play that I called on third down. I should have just called a run on third down knowing I was going to go for it on fourth down. That's what I should have done. So I thought that was really interesting. Some really interesting introspection from Frank Reich to look at, all right, if I knew I was going to go for it on fourth down, the play that they called on third down had a shot built in for Wentz. He took it, 
And instead of just getting, you know, handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, and even if you don't get the first down, you probably gain a yard or two, which makes it a more makeable fourth down. That I thought was a really interesting perspective from Frank Reich. When you thought about that play, when you watched that play in real time and then go back and, you know, dissect it after the game, um, what, what did you make of how the Colts went about that on fourth down? I agree with Frank and what he said in regards to third down. Um, if he knew he was going for it on fourth down, I think I would have took my chances on third down and running the ball with Jonathan Taylor, trying to get some positive yards. Fourth and three, it's, it's not a long ways, but it's a lot longer than fourth and one or fourth and two, of course. So I think if he had fourth and one, I think it would have been a lot easier to make the first down. And then you, you really put the Titans back on the heels if you go down and score a field goal or definitely if you score a touchdown. So fourth and three, and then plus the going on the 40-yard line, you're on the Titans' 40-yard line. If you, It's kind of one of those things, if you punt the ball, how much yards are you really getting if you right. punt it into the end zone? You're not getting a lot. So I don't have a problem with them going for it on fourth down. I thought it was actually um, a good decision. I just thought that the third down decision, um, maybe they should have run the ball if he knew he was going for it on fourth down at that spot on the field during that time of the game because – I think if in the first quarter, if you're down by three scores, that puts a lot of pressure on the other team to try to make up some ground. And I thought the Colts defense was doing a good, were doing, was doing a good job against the run uh, against Henry, and it would have put them in a position where Tannehill had to pass the ball. And I, you know, I mm-hmm. thought Tannehill would throw maybe an interception or two, and Kenny Moore picked off one earlier, and the Colts scored right after that. So. I thought it would put a lot more pressure on the Titans for them to do something that they don't like doing, which is right. throwing the ball a whole lot. And so I didn't have a problem with the uh, fourth down decision. I just maybe would have ran the ball on third down. The the only defense I'll, I'll give here, and I'll give the Colts some credit, is two weeks ago on a third and three near midfield, it was their back a little bit farther, Frank Reich also called for a shot play, and it worked with a 52-yard touchdown to Paris Campbell. So, you know, we've seen Carson Wentz have that ability to connect on those downfield throws. They got T.Y. Hilton one-on-one in that situation. It wasn't a bad decision by Carson Wentz to make that throw. But in that situation, you know, I understand why Frank Reich was feeling that way. The other thing, just real quick on this, Bill, that I wanted to ask you is, let's say let's say the Colts go down and they, they either score a touchdown or they, they hit a field goal to go up by three scores. Right around this point in the game, the Titans game script, the first 15 plays, is over. And if you get to the end of that game script, and all of a sudden you're like, we have to blow up the rest of our game plan because we're because of the circumstances, because of the score, and you're on the road, that to me seems like such a difficult hill to overcome compared to a two-score game. So again, I, th- that that's part of why I, I really do get why Frank Reich went for it there. Oh, I agree. I, I think when, when a team has to really throw out their game plan, especially offensively, and knowing that the thing you like to do is run the ball, and now you're going to have to really put that on the back burner, and you're without one of your better receivers in Julio Jones, I think that puts a lot more pressure on the Titans to have to do something like that they really don't want to do. And then when you're in that situation, they're going to do things that they're not comfortable with and things they don't normally do. So 
I think that would have put a lot more pressure on the Titans. Um, and sometimes when that happens, when you put more pressure on them, I think Tannehill would have eventually made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And I think it would, have, it would have benefited the coach. So, you know, Tannehill's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a very good quarterback. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the National Football League. And I think he does well for what they want him to do. He's perfect for that team. And, but I still think if you put him in a pressure where he has to be a volume passer, I think eventually it catches up with him. So let's talk about this is kind of the next flashpoint play in the game. And it's this sequence of events, Bill, that I, I, I mean, I, I can barely even begin to describe it because it was so crazy. But so second down and 10, five minutes to go in the second quarter. Tyquan Lewis sacks Ryan Tannehill, bringing up a third and 11. The Titans had been very good on third down all game. The Colts finally got them into a situation where they are they are in a third and long. Matt Eberflus dials up a great blitz. I mean, they go A-gap pressure with Darius Leonard, George Odom coming off the edge, and Tyquan Lewis dropping into coverage. Odom's pressure forces Tannehill to throw kind of a wobbly soft pass, which goes right into the hands of Tyquan Lewis. And you're thinking, here it is. Here we go. Colts still have a 14-7 lead at that point. They're going to take over around midfield. But as Tyquan Lewis is going down, he fumbles the ball. It's recovered by Anthony Ferkser. I kind of thought George Odom recovered it, um, and a lot of Colts players did too. <laughs> um, Tyquan Lewis injured on the play. I mean, just that play was just in, and there was all this, you know, talking about it in such a delay because they had to bring the card out for Tyquan Lewis. The very next play, Ryan Tannehill finds A.J. Brown 57 yards for a touchdown. That ties the game. A.J. Brown said after the game that gave the Titans a lot of momentum at that point. And, I mean, think about it. Literally, the Colts had possession back. That counts as a takeaway. And then the Titans got it. Just the, the gut punch of that play, not only because of the change of possession and then the additional change of possession, but losing Tyquan Lewis, who was playing at a very high level before that play, that kind of felt like, you know, and again, A.J. Brown said it, that kind of felt like that really swung momentum in the Titans' favor for a really large stretch of this game. Yeah, I agree. It, it's one of those things where it was actually, it's a 14-point swing if you look at it. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at it, if the, if the Colts get that interception and they keep Tennessee from scoring, um, and then the Colts do score on that interception, I would say they score just a, a touch, I mean, a field goal. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not 14 points, so it's going to be a 10-point swing. But either way, it favors the Indianapolis Colts. You're preventing Tennessee from going down scoring. You intercept the ball. You convert that interception to points for yourself. But unfortunately, you know, Tyquan Lewis went down, and hopefully he's not a serious injury. Hopefully he's, he's okay. Um, but he fumbles the ball, and then Tennessee gets the ball right back. And then... They make a, a nice play, a short pass to A.J. Brown. He breaks a tackle on Xavier Rhodes and goes 57 yards for a touchdown. Game goes from 14 to 7 to 14 to 14. It could have been 21 to 7 at that time if the Colts went down and scored and, and converted that um, interception right. by Tyquan Lewis. So it's it, it was a backbreaker. Uh, unfortunately, that Tyquan Lewis fumbled the ball and. Uh, Titans made a good give Titans a little credit. They they made mm -hmm. a good play, and AJ Brown made a good play. Made a big play at a, a big time for them, 
And it's 14-14, um, almost right before the half, and then the Colts go down and kick a field goal for to go ahead 17-14 um, right at halftime. Yeah, and, and just the the swing in the stadium off that play, like, I mean, you could you could feel it. Like, the, the energy of everyone from the Colts sideline to Section 522 was, all right, like, let's go. Like, we, we got this. And then to have that taken away, um, you know, you, you could just feel a little bit of the energy sucked out of everyone at that point, which is understandable. I mean, that is, that is not a slight at Colts fans or the Colts players or anyone. That's just what happens. I mean, that, that was such a weird play to I keep going back to that because the Colts had a takeaway they dialed up a perfectly executed blitz that led to an interception and it it just gets erased at that point Titans get a fresh set of downs next play again like you mentioned it's a 57 yard touchdown from that point though I thought the Colts defense after that touchdown played really really well I mean, they they buckled down, and they made sure, you know, it, the, the, yeah, the, the Titans got a touchdown on their next possession. But after that point, they played a really good game. Uh, we'll get into the Derrick Henry stuff later. But this, this surprised me, Bill, because I mentioned the Titans are having success on third down. Tennessee finished the game 8 of 17 on third down. That's 47%. The Colts finished 7 of 16. That's 44%. If you had told me at halftime that those two numbers would be pretty even, I probably would say, well, I guess the Colts are probably winning this game because they're coming up from where they were at halftime and the Titans are coming down yeah, on exactly. third down. Oh, I agree with you. I, I would say the same thing. I would th- thought that would have been a win for the Colts and the Colts would have been kind of dominating the game. Not dominating the game, but controlling the game, controlling the line of scrimmage, controlling uh, time of possession, controlling them just moving the ball up and down the field. But, you know, it's one of those things. Football is a, is, is a funny game. Sometimes you can dominate certain statistics. Uh, like last time the Colts played Titans, they had three turnovers, and they still lose the game. Right. If you get three turnovers, more than likely you're going to win a football game. Same thing with the, with the, on third down. Like you said, Colts were coming up. Titans were going down. You would think that would have been positive for the Colts. You would think it would have been positive um, stopping – Tennessee from running the ball, and Colts could pretty much con- trying to c- control the clock, and that would have been a positive for the Colts, and the Colts would have been winning. So the second half starts, the Colts and Titans kind of trade punts and touchdowns in the third quarter. Um, Tennessee is then able to level it up, and then the next flashpoint play happens, which was the Carson Wentz pick six, and... This was really interesting, Bill. I really liked and appreciated Frank Wright getting up to the podium after the game and saying, that was 100% my fault. I like a coach that not only is self-aware to admit mistakes, but to stand up there and after a play that everyone was laughing about on Twitter, go up there and said, I screwed that up, and take some of the heat off of his quarterback. I thought that was a, a great leadership move by Frank Reich. I know it doesn't change the result of the play, but just from a a man management standpoint, what Frank Reich did in saying, hey, put that all on me with the with explaining the play call, which we'll get into, 
Um, I, I really like that. Oh, I, I agree with you. I mean, Frank's a stand-up guy. He's gonna if he makes a mistake, Frank's gonna be first to admit he made a mistake. Um, he he will admit that he doesn't have a problem standing up and taking responsibility for his play calling, the plays that he calls, how he calls his plays. He stands up to takes. He's a stand-up person when it comes to that. So you know, he takes blame for that. And I I would have thought also in that situation when you're backed up like that. I didn't have any problem if you just ran the ball because you're back up on the seven-yard line. Run the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Give yourself some room. So if you do want to throw the ball next play or in two plays on third down, Carson Wentz is not backed up in the end zone. Maybe he's dropping back when he's on, on his own five-yard line, throwing the ball from there. That way, if he does get sacked, it's not a safety or anything like that. So I that's the only thing I would have said. I don't know if I would have called a screen or right. a pass play during right. that time. I was I wouldn't have called the pass play. I would like to have ran the ball uh, with Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan was, you know, at at by the end of the game he's averaging four point four yards of carry. So um, give him a chance to run the ball and get us out of the that end zone and give us some room to actually then try to maneuver and throw the ball down the field. But Frank did the right thing. Uh, he owns up to it, and believe me, when, when players hear that, players appreciate that mm-hmm. because players get blamed for a lot, and you know, rightfully so. If they make a mistake, they should get blamed for uh, making a mistake. But when coaches uh, make a mistake, they should take ownership of it, and Frank's that type of guy, and then he, he did that. So that play wasn't just a Carson Wentz making a decision to take the ball in his left hand and try to release it in the end zone. The play was a tight end screen to Mo Alley-Cox, who's lined up to the right. And Frank said that before the the Colts even received the punt that got them down at the eight-yard line, he was talking about it with his assistants. You know, hey, we like this call here. Let's go for it. They're then backed up. They kind of confirm, all right, we'll still go for it, even though Frank Reich said after the fact, I mean, his exact words were, I know better than to call a screen when we're backed up that far. But what he thought the Titans would do in that situation would be sell all out for a safety and just, oh, we got a free run at Carson Wentz. Let's go after him because he's right by the end zone. A safety wins the game. I mean, if Carson Wentz took a safety on that play, the Colts are punting it away with a two-point deficit. The Titans are getting the ball back, and that's the game, basically. So, in a weird sense, Carson Wentz throwing an interception there actually worked out in the Colts' favor, which we'll get to a little bit. Um, But if you look at that play, Bill, Harold Landry doesn't bite. He just stays right there with Mo Alley-Cox. They get some pressure up the middle, and Wentz then, you know, gets hit, tries to avoid it. He, It didn't look like, on first watch, there was anywhere for Wentz to dirt it so just like throw it right at the feet of someone mm-hmm. um I'll be interested to hear from Carson and Frank if they do discuss it if when they went back and looked at it in the moment maybe there was an opportunity for Wentz to do that um but in the heat of that moment Wentz is feeling pressure Mo Cox is covered up Naheem Hines is on the ground and you kind of feel like, well, what else is there to do? And I think that's why Frank Reich took responsibility for that because he felt like he put his quarterback in an impossible situation. Exactly. Right there. Exactly. He didn't give him an out pretty much Mm -hmm. in that play. That play either had to work, it was 100% have to work, 
or if it didn't work, he thought he could have an out, but he actually didn't have an out because if you look at that play uh, again on Carson's left side, Bud Dupree, he comes in, he falls down, he gets up, and then he's starting to put pressure on Carson Wentz. And then, as you said, Landry on Moali Cox, Landry engages Moali Cox, and then he's right there with Moali Cox. So he's not moving from Moali Cox. So Wentz actually has nowhere to throw the ball to. Right. So you have the defender there. If he throws it to Moali Cox, you know, it can get intercepted anyway uh, by Landry. So he tries to, then he gets pressure uh, from Dupree, and they, they put pressure on him. So he's trying to get rid of the ball. And actually, I think it was a blessing that he did throw it, like you said, because he um, he threw it and got an interception. If he takes a safety there, Titans get the ball back. Right. It was a it was a minute thirty three when that play started. So basically, if you say they have a minute thirty three, he gets a safety, and the Colts only have two timeouts left after that. Titans have the ball. They probably gonna get good field position anyway after the um, the Colts punt right. the ball to him. And then if they get one first down, the game's over anyway. Right. And the Colts, so, will be, they're out of timeouts. Yeah, well, the yeah. Colts had two timeouts going into that right. situation. Then they would, they would have lost the two timeouts because they would have used it. And uh, so actually it was a blessing almost, uh, I hate to say it, kind of a blessing in disguise right. that he did throw the interception and they did score. So that way the Colts got it back and had an opportunity to tie the ball game, which they did. So because it was a pick six and not a safety, and again, this is, I don't want this to come off as a, defensive any part of that play we're just this is the explanation of it right if the colts if if something else happens on that play the colts are driving to win the game so now they get the ball back driving to tie the game and they they hit a third and 16 not much is going right Wentz escapes some pressure i mean like he literally the football was on the turf Wentz avoided some pressure, steps up and just like throws it up to Michael Pittman Jr., who gets a 38-yard reception. And that was one of those plays you're just like, there it is again. There's that Wentz to Pittman connection that, you know, obviously we saw in the first half, but we have just seen Wentz trusting Michael Pittman Jr. to go up and make a play. This is the next kind of flashpoint play I want to talk about. Because without this play... The Colts don't even go to overtime. After this 38-yard reception, Wentz throws it up. Ashton Doolin gets tackled in the end zone for pass interference. Jonathan Taylor, one play later, runs it in for a touchdown. Game tied. And this just, from Michael Pittman Jr., again and again and again, this dude keeps making plays. And I know the Colts lost this game. If you're looking for something to take away that's a positive, like Michael Pittman Jr. is a star. He's, he just is. Yeah, I mean, when making big plays at, at big times when there's pressure on you, that's saying a lot about that individual. He wants the ball. He wants to be in those situations where he wants to make big plays. And he, he made a big play. I mean, Carson was throwing that ball up in the middle of the field like that, and there were a number of guys around uh, Pittman, and Pittman goes up, high points the ball like he's been doing uh, so much thus far this year catches it, holds on to it, and puts him in good position to make a play later on to go and score. And then, of course, to get the pass interference down in the end zone, and then Jonathan Taylor runs it in, in the end zone for the, uh, the touchdown to get the extra point to tie the game up and go into overtime. So 
Pittman makes a nice play and give Carson Wentz credit also. He avoids the sack, avoids getting tackled, keeps his balance enough to be able to get up and then look downfield to throw the ball to Pittman and Pittman makes a great play. So that I mean Pittman has shown me a lot in these last few weeks. Mm-hmm. He's ready to play. Um, like we said last week, he's showing more confidence. Uh, he's very confident in what he's doing. He's very confident in understanding the system, understanding the plays, understanding his responsibilities, what he needs to do. And then also being an aggressive individual wanting the ball in pressure situations and making plays at that time. So he is an individual that it doesn't surprise me because of his uh, his background, his dad being a former player. So he has a kind of a head start of understanding what it takes to to be the guy out there on the football field and, and to be able to step up and make plays when needed. And he's done that thus far this year. So one other real quick thing about this. Uh, Frank Reich was asked after the game, did you consider going for two? in that spot. And he said, you know, we talked about it, but the conventional wisdom there is you're at home, you go for the tie. And I don't have a problem with Frank Reich not going for two there. That that feels kind of like hindsight being 2020 because the Colts got the ball to begin overtime. And then they went out and got a stop of the Titans to start overtime. I mean, Tennessee went three and out. So... You can you can say, oh, they should have gone for two in that situation. Something else that was interesting, Bill, is that Reich said the Colts had like four or five of their favorite plays in the, the low red area, so like goal to go, and they used them all before they even got to overtime because they just had so many opportunities down there. So it wasn't that they ran out of plays, but they had a bunch of plays that they really liked. They probably practiced them and did a good job in practice with them last week. And then... You get to that situation and you say, do we really love any of these play calls? I, I get it. I, I really get it. And again, if the Colts went down and they had scored in overtime, none of this would have been a thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, you, you're going for two there. If you don't feel comfortable with your two-point play or any play that you're running, you shouldn't really run it. Right. Um, you can and, like it, but you gotta yeah, love yeah, it in that situation. Yeah, you, especially in that situation, because if you don't make it, the game's over. You lose right there because you're going for two. You're down by one point, and you're going for two. You don't make it, the game's over. And I'm old school. I'm a little conservative individual. Old school. At home, play for the tie. On the road, play for the win. Yep. And 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 you know, so they were at home, play for the tie. Uh, hope that you can win the toss, and go down and score. Um, score a touchdown and, 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 and end the game, really, for the most part. And But you know what? It, it, it worked out almost. It went for the, the one point, got the extra point, tied the game up, went overtime, won the coin toss, got the ball, but just couldn't go down and score. So um, you know what? It was, a, it was a tough Halloween, to put it that way. Yeah. It was a, a little horror show uh, <laughs> for the Colts, unfortunately, uh, for this game. But... Um, you know, bounce back. You have to, you know, put it behind you as soon as possible and get ready for the Jets because, you know, what the Jets are coming in here, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they beat the Bengals. Mike uh, White threw for over 400 yards. Yeah, so they, you know, it's a team that can that can that that's good that can play that, you know, they 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 won some games. They beat the Titans as well. So, um, you know, they the Colts need to make sure that they. 
they don't take this team lightly, even though they've lost a lot of games. So just real quick before we we wrap this up, just the last flashpoint play I had would then be the second interception Carson Wentz threw, uh, which set up the Titans game-winning 44-yard field goal. And on that play, Carson said he thought Michael Pittman Jr. had some leverage against the underneath defenders, but Kevin Byard, the Titans' safety, really drove down on that play. He, he kind of did a really good job reading it. Um, they ran a play action there. They were trying to pick up some chunk yards. Um, you know, I, I think Wentz said he wants to go back and look at the checkdowns on those plays um, and and see, you know, if a guy like Jonathan Taylor, Mo Alley-Cox might have been open there. Um, that's a play, though, where Reich, Reich called it and said, hey, we can pick up some chunk yards here. Um but in that situation, that's when Wentz put all on his shoulders and said, hey, that, I, I, I'm going to be think about, thinking about that one tonight. Um, you know, I want that one back. That one's going to kind of stick with me. Yeah, that's going to probably hurt him a little bit because, it, you know, the underneath coverage was, wasn't really tight, but it was, it was tight enough where Wentz couldn't throw it on a line. So he had to kind of put a little air under it. And then Byers coming, coming from the top down, um, made it an easy pick for him because he was reading that and probably knowing that the Colts might go to Pittman because Pittman was having a, a big day. You know, he had targeted 15 times and had 10 receptions. So uh, so he probably played the percentages that, you know, the Colts are probably going to go to Pittman. And he made a good play. Give him credit. Now, Carson, you know, Carson shouldn't have thrown the ball. Um, too many people around Pittman. Uh, on that play, and you know, like he said, it's a play that he wished he could have back. Um, I'm sure he wished he had the the football on the yo-yo string there, and they can bring it back and <laughs> throw it to someone else. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. And you know, it does that happens in football. You know, you make a decision, once you do it, you hope it works out. But then, if it doesn't, you know what? You got to uh, take the responsibility of the play and and move on. And that's what he has to do. He has to move on. Look at it maybe tomorrow and. See where you know he could have did something differently, possibly, and and then from that point move on and get ready for the Jets. So, just to to kind of put a bow on this game, we didn't talk about this yet, but the Colts held Derrick Henry to sixty eight yards on twenty eight carries. Derrick Henry averaged two point four yards per carry. That is his lowest yards per carry average when he gets twenty or more carries in a game since Week Seventeen of the two thousand seventeen season. Derrick Henry's longest rush was nine yards. The Colts did a fantastic job on every single level of their defense against Derrick Henry, whether it was Al-Kadeem Muhammad or Bobby Okereke or Kenny Moore II. They played their butts off to stop Derrick Henry. And you kind of get the sense that, like, that, I don't want to say deflating, but Players after the game, when I was asking them about it, weren't really willing to engage in like, oh, we did a great job against Derrick Henry. Kenny Moore was like, they got A.J. Brown, and look at what A.J. Brown did. I mean, you know, Brown finished today uh, 10 catches, 155 yards, and a touchdown. And, you know, the Colts still lost. But it's just, you, you go into this game and you say, you know, if you can hold Derrick Henry to under 100 yards and under 3.7 yards per carry, you're feeling pretty good about it. Derrick Henry got 68 yards and 2.4 yards per carry. So 
I'm going to look at that from the sense of the Colts' defense, they're really damn good against the run. Really good. And yeah, that they, that is a, a general positive that I'm going to take from an otherwise gutting loss. Yeah, the, the, give the defense credit uh, against the run because, as you said, uh, Kenny Moore and Amos Dejo, Darius Leonard, Okereke, those guys did a nice job in, in tackling Henry and uh, keeping those guys, keeping Henry in the box and not getting any big yards. And as you said, you know, kept Henry under 3.7, you know, and the stat for Henry, if he gains 3.7, is they're like 39 and 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he gains under 3.7 yards per carry, they're 13 and 15. So, But now 14 that, and 15. Yeah, now 14 and 15, exactly. And then keeping them under 100 yards, you know, uh, the Titans are 22 and 3 when he goes over 100 yards, and they're 30 and 30 when he goes under 100 yards. So, I mean, they did what they needed to do as far as stopping Derrick Henry. But they let the other guys beat him, A.J. Brown and Tannehill. Um, Tannehill had a couple of big runs mm-hmm. as well uh, to get some first downs. But um, A.J. Brown had a, a big game, as you stated there earlier. But the defense uh, against the run did a nice job. They did what they were supposed to do. They came up and they hit Henry. They were tackling and tackling and tackling. He never had any big runs. As you said, his biggest run was nine yards, and they kept him in that box and didn't let him get any out get out and make any big, long runs that can break a defense's back. So give the defense credit against the run, but unfortunately just couldn't stop A.J. Brown. Well, that is going to do it for us here on this episode of Colts Instant Reaction. It's a short week, so the Colts are going to flush this loss and move on to the New York Jets in prime time. The color rush game at Lucas Oil Stadium, wear your blue on Thursday to the game at Lucas Oil Stadium against the New York Jets. Colts are going to have a pretty condensed week here with practices on Monday and Tuesday, kind of more walkthrough type practices before Thursday. Kind of a good thing in the sense that the Colts get to just get rid of this game quickly and move on to the Jets uh, in one sense. And we are going to move on to the Jets here on the Colts Audio Network as well. We're going to have a brand new Colts official podcast coming to you on Tuesday evening. We're going to be joined by Colleen Wolf from NFL Network. Knows a lot about the NFL and about Carson Wentz, so we're going to, going to be excited to talk to her about that. I'll be joined by Lara Overton on that podcast. And then be sure to take stay tuned for a new episode of Inside Football with Rick Venturi this week as well with the great Matt Taylor doing that. Know Your Foe with Casey Vallier and, and the aforementioned Bill Brooks here. Going to be a busy week for the Colts at 56th Street. We're going to have all of it covered for you here on the Colts Audio Network. If you like this podcast, if you like all of our podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. And for Bill Brooks, we will talk to you next time here on Colts Instant Reaction on the Colts Audio Network.